Today, we talk about cooking up tastier photos. This is Behind the Shot. Hi, welcome again to Behind the Shot. I'm Steve Brazel, your host. It's so kind of you to join me. A couple things to let you know about before we bring our guest in today. First of all, the show notes for this show and every show you can find at BehindTheShot.tv. You can also subscribe to this show wherever you get your favorite podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. And I would like to ask, actually, that you do take the time, if you're a podcast listener or watcher, to subscribe because that's what affects the charts and that's what affects discoverability. So any subscriptions really, really help with that. And keep in mind, in your podcast app, if it supports video, I've got two feeds. You can subscribe to an audio-only version. Makes it a little bit tough. You'll want to head by the website to see the photo first. Or you can subscribe to a video version. Both of those, again, available wherever you get your favorite podcasts, if that service or application supports video. Also, the video is up on our YouTube channel for Behind the Shot, so you can always go subscribe there. If you subscribe on YouTube, please make sure you hit that bell. That way you are aware every time we post something new. And there's a number of things that are going up on YouTube that do not go in the normal podcast feed. As an example, we have a Flickr group for Behind the Shot. So if you're a Flickr member and you go join the group Behind the Shot, everybody's posting pictures up there and we're having a lot of fun. And I'll tell you about something else special coming up here in just a second. But also, if you're not a Flickr member, go join Flickr. It doesn't cost anything. There's a pro membership that you can pay for gives you better advantages, or there is a free version of Flickr, and the free version of Flickr works just as well to join the Behind the Shot Flickr group and submit your photos to the group. Now, if you submit photos to the Behind the Shot group on Flickr, and if you tag them with BTS Critique, that enters them for a possible chance at being critiqued by Don Komarechka of Photo Geek Weekly podcast, which by the way, if you don't watch or I should say listen to Photo Geek Weekly, it's one of my favorite podcasts. Don and I are now doing critique shows. At the time of this recording, one of them is live. But by the time this airs, we'll probably have two, maybe three critique episodes up on the YouTube channel. So again, go join Flickr, join the Behind the Shot group, submit your images and tag them with BTS critique. That's a Flickr tag, not a hashtag. And you'll be good to go. And that, my friends, brings us up to our guest today. I want to welcome Freddie Clark. Freddie, how are you? I am well, Steve. Thank you for having me here. It is good to see you and nice to meet you in person. And the way that we met is the way I meet so many people nowadays, right? I met you through Rick Salmon, our mutual friend. Yep. Every, Rick is the, the big conduit in the entire industry, I think. He's like the Kevin Bacon of photography. It's like six degrees of Rick Salmon. Exactly. Because it seems like Rick knows literally everybody. And uh, Rick and you are going to be doing a workshop to Mount Rainier coming up next fall, October, as I recall, of 2020. That's correct. Yep. And I may be going on that, it looks like, with my wife, because she's going to be retired. So we're going to head out and have some fun. And Excellent. when we were talking about that with Rick, he said, you need to meet Freddie. And meeting you was interesting for so many reasons. You brought up, as we were talking back and forth, how close our paths are. Yes, because so, I'd, I'd heard you on a, a couple podcasts, probably Don's, I think, too. And um, I was like, wow, this guy's got radio background. He's got IT background, photography. It was like, you're, I, like I'm the East Coast version of you, apparently. Yeah. Well, there's, <laughs> you have to have one for East Coast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you are, you're New Jersey based, right? Yes, I am. Uh, right okay. about uh, an hour outside of New York. And what you photograph is something, you know, I, I, most of my guests photograph something, not only I don't photograph, 
but I know that I can't and I don't even think of trying a lot a lot of the times because it's just I don't my mind doesn't see like that. I take what I learned from landscape photographers and portrait photographers and travel photographers and documenting, and I apply all of that to my music photography Mm -hmm. because you can gather from everything, right? But you actually photograph something that I've always been interested to try at some point. You are a beverage and food photographer. So I've got such questions. So let's let's dive into you a little bit. Okay, sounds Uh, good. Photographer. Yes. You're an educator. You've done stuff for Canon and Visions workshops. That's correct, yes. And your path is interesting. So explain to people how your path is similar to mine. Okay, so out of college, in school, um, photography was not not a passion of mine. Um, when I was in college, you know, college radio station, um, wanted to be wanted to be a rock and roll DJ. That's all I wanted to do. And uh, got out of school, did it for about a decade, uh, worked on the East Coast, uh, started with uh, a small station in uh, the Pocono Mountains, uh, worked my way into uh, WDHA in Morristown, New Jersey, and then ended up at uh, WRAT uh, in Monmouth, Ocean County, right down the Jersey Shore here. And, um, you know, that was that was the passion. That was that was the love. Um as I started, as I was working more and more, my, you know, got married, had a child and, uh, you know, I don't have to tell you, Steve, I'm sure that radio is not the path to riches. No, no, <laughs> right? it is. People say to me, oh, I really want to get in radio. You know, what do I need to do? And my answer to them usually is first decide why you're getting in radio. Exactly. Because if you're getting a radio, because you truly just have to be on the radio and you love music or talk radio or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's great. Follow your passion. If you're getting into radio because you want to make money, go work at McDonald's. You'll make more. Exactly. Exactly. So then ultimately I became a photographer, which is the same scenario anyway. Right. So um, but anyway, so I, I worked yeah, in that's radio. That's a good point. That's, <laughs> you, you know, know what? That's <laughs> you might want to rethink your life choices. Right, yeah. Well, you know what? I go for what I love. Not for the, not for, like you said, not for making the money. Yeah. Um, I uh, was, you know, working. I was uh, working my tail off. I was production director during the day and I'm and night jock at the Rat. Uh, did that for two years, and in all honesty, started to lose the passion for it. Um, you know, started to see friends of mine, you know, their lives going in a trajectory, and uh, realized that my passion for radio was not exactly uh, enough to drive me further anymore. Um, so I did, uh, I uh, actually, because of radio, it was at the time when we were going from analog to digital. Mm-hmm. And I started, basically the the uh, general manager walked into my, my production room one day and said, here's a digital audio workstation. It was in the boxes and said, figure it out and walked out. So I'm looking at this, you know, pulled the manual out, started reading how to, you know, the uh, the engineer came in to do the uh, interface with the board, but he didn't know what to do with it. So uh, I had to figure it out. So the next step for me professionally was then going into IT. Um, I basically taught myself and it was at the period of time when you could teach yourself how to do it. Right. Um, and early on, so this would have been the late 90s, started teaching myself, uh, got a job, uh, at, actually at a place that was, it's very ironic given where I'm, I am today, got a job doing it for a place called the image bank in Manhattan. Um, and not again, photography was not a thing I was really into yet. Um, but was doing it for them. 
And, uh, you know, it's the stock, stock image photography company. And I was surrounded by imagery. And I started to really start to figure out what I liked about photography. Uh, images I liked, images I, that didn't resonate with me. But it was just from a purely a... Um, a, a, a fan perspective, a consumer perspective, right? Right, right. Um, so then um, the big thing to get me into photography was um, had a daughter and realized I didn't have a camera, um, went out and bought a camera, didn't know basically which end of the, the thing to point, right? And uh, began to self-teach myself the bare, you know what? That, that literally is my path, right? I, mm -hmm. I, I started in radio, very, very young. I, I've been in radio since 1979 and still am, right? Mm -hmm. Went into tech, got my Microsoft certified systems engineer, became an IT consultant, which <laughs> three, I actually five or still four. do. Three, again? five, or four? Three, three, five, one. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, okay. <laughs> NT351. Okay. And uh, I still do that. I'm an ind independent IT consultant. And then I had a child and that brought me into photography. But your photography path was not always beverage and food. You did portraits, you did landscapes, you did weddings, and mm -hmm. ended up now as a food and beverage photographer where you've got photos in a cookbook that, by the way, people can buy on Amazon. I'll have a link yep. to the book in the show notes at BehindTheShot.tv. A Meal for All Seasons, Anton's at the Swan. Your photos are in that book. That's and correct. And again, head by the website, BehindTheShot.tv. You can find a link to the book. You can find all of Freddie's links. And uh, you can also see a small gallery of Freddie's work. So that brings me to the questions that I have based on what you photograph that is just so uniquely different than me. Okay. If somebody is an aspiring, and I know a number of people who shoot food that do it really, really well, and they've each mentioned different kinds of answers to this. So I'm curious, from the helicopter view, right? Mm -hmm. An aspiring food and beverage photographer, what is what is the thing or things they need to have in their bag? It's really no different than any other photographer. Okay, um, it's just all of the things I learned from doing other things were applicable to food and beverage. So the first thing, of course, is composition. Right, all the rules of composition still apply. You know how right. to how to actually compose a, a picture, rule of thirds. Um, you know. Everything is is the same. Um, lighting is the same as a good portrait photographer. So is it really though? Because you it have is. different kinds of specular highlights. I mean, I don't want to say different. A specular highlight, specular. Right. But you know, for you, I might worry about your glasses. But on a food, uh, on a food, that's the strangest sentence I've <laughs> ever <a> said. Food. <laughs> on a food, that's like somebody saying, "Go look at the Google." Right. Um, but you know, with food or beverages. You know, the specular highlights can just be insanely out of control. Beverage is harder. I will grant you that. Controlling light for glassware um, can be daunting. And that is where I really began to dig into lighting, to be in, in all honesty. Um, food, you know, give you a perfect example. You know, the, the deadly on-camera flash uh, coming down will will make a dish look completely flat. Uh, take away any nooks and crannies. Take away any glisten. Um, you know, you want to be coming from the back or the side. You want to get that raking light. You want to create the contrast as it cuts across. Um, a, a, let's say a, a piece a steak, right? Coming across the top of that steak, you're going to get that glisten if you're at the right angle. 
coming across uh, a nice piece of bread, you're going to get the nooks and crannies of the bread as you're coming across the angle. So it's no different than, you know- I'm look, getting hungry. <laughs> contrast is created by, by when you bring light and dark together. So when you when you light it correctly, you're going to see a nook, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the dimples in a piece of bread. You're going to see that as the dark side of it is being, you know, and you got the light hitting from the front, the dark right. hitting from the side. You're going to create that like, texture. Like Rick says, shadow right. uh, light illuminates, shadows define. I mean, that's Ex it. But exa exactly. you mentioned catching the glistening. Now, mm -hmm. I do know food photographers who either spray water or spray glycerin right. uh, on the food to, to have, you know, because – Sometimes you've got food under hot lights and it's sitting there for a while. Um, so I want to get into two quick questions here. And that is one, sure. how do you keep food glistening or okay. what artificial means do you use? And two, if somebody is aspiring to start in this, can they start with, uh, you know, an, an, a, a standard speed light diffused through a sheet if that's all they've got or, or, a, or an umbrella? Or do you need a softbox where you have more feather control? You don't need a softbox, no. In fact, lately, my methodology, my lighting method has been very simple. It's been one light into actually a V-flat, a large white V-flat, bouncing back then across the food to mimic window light. Right now, window light is extremely um, in vogue with, with food photography. Uh, Interesting. It'll, it'll I like be a the bounce. More, yeah. It'll be a little more, uh, a little harsher, uh, a little brighter. Um, so- and I'll tell people all the time, if you've got good window light, definitely go with that for food. Um, but, you know, of course, you don't you can't always have that. And I used to use um, I used to use a speed light uh, in, in a in a softbox. Uh, I've used Ellen Chrome's. I've used Paul Buffs in, in different modifiers. But really for food now, it's my my Paul Buff bouncing into a V flat to come back out to give a really large light source really close. And, and it, just like any other photography, the larger, the softer, the closer, the better, right? right? So it's, it's none of the, none of the, if, if you learn aspects of other photography, it will apply to food. This is not- Which is my ma mantra. I right, mean- It's not rocket science. I keep science. trying to explain to people, stop trying to learn. In fact, don't try and learn, not just stop. Don't try and learn only from your genre of photographers yep. because the odds are they've experienced the same things as you and you really need to learn from people. This is part of the reason I, I'm, I'm liking doing critique shows. Part of what you can learn or a big part of what you can learn is those people who have experienced different challenges than you and then take those solutions and apply them. But how do you keep the glisten? Okay. So what I will do is I will set up a shot usually with um, when I first approach it. The t as I set up the table, as I set up the scene, um, I'll use usually I'll start with a piece of cheesecloth on a plate just to I don't even have the food yet. I'm creating my setup. I'm creating my scene, whatever props I'm going to use. Um, I get my lighting pretty much down. I get my camera into where the position I want it. Um, you know, tripod, definitely, um, you know, trying to you can after you get your shot, you can handhold. But I always start locked down. Um, then I will bring in the hero. And if it's not, if it needs a little more oomph, um, I've for let's say a, for food, I will use uh, I will use oil 
a little bit of oil on a food brush. Um, I will bring in once in a while. Uh, I do have glycerin. Not that's more. I use that more for the beverage, believe it or not. Um, but a little bit of oil uh, brushed on if I really want to give it a little more pop. But a lot of times I try to do as little as I can to preserve the uh, integrity of the dish. So if I'm shooting for a restaurant, I like to ensure that what they what the people are going to see is what they're going to get. Now, I will do things to try to raise the level, mostly from a styling perspective, but I try not to doctor the food much beyond a little water or a little oil. What do you do with the glycerin? Do you spray it on a glass? Yes. So beverage photography now is, to your point about lighting and, and the reflections, beverage can drive you insane. Uh, you know, it, there's a lot of tricks to um, help to uh, get control of that light. Uh, what I do there usually is my lights are in strip boxes, and then I'll put another level of uh, diffusion material in front of it, either um, the the leaf filters, uh, strips, uh, big rolls, or I've in the past I've used uh, even as um, tracing paper in the past and large Just sheets. something to cut down on the brightness so to uh, kill any speculars. Yeah. Another diffusion. And then the glycerin is going to have a lower reflection rate than than drops of water. Okay, but the the glycerin is to give the cold cues to make to, to give that glass that that look of condensation, right? Oh, uh, to really cut down on the on the uh, on the reflections and soften the reflections, I will use dulling spray, uh, 3M Krylon dulling spray, on glass and on bottles. Uh, you got to be careful of the labels, but I will I will dull it. My my bottle and glass prep usually starts the day before I shoot. So if I'm working for a client, I will say, what glasses do you want to use? Uh, give me give me the bottles that we're going to shoot. Uh, I do a lot. I do work for a lot of, of uh, breweries. Um, give me the bottles you want to shoot. Give me some heroes. And I start the day before with um, dulling spray. Does two things for me. It gives me a little more control over the light. Takes out that little bit of that shine. And then it also gives me another layer of diffusion through the glass itself. So that when I'm coming, especially if I'm coming from behind a little bit to get that glow of, you know, the beer to make it like that truly the golden beverage, yeah. or give, uh, you know, whiskey, make that get that that uh, caramelly flavor. Speaking uh, my language. <laughs> um, so that will give me a little more diffusion of the light coming through the bottle and kind of spread it out there. Then the glycerin comes in when I really want to get that condensation look of a beer bottle just coming out of the cooler. Um 50-50 through a, a fine mist spray. And I will sit there and I will basically paint on the to get the water droplets, to get that condensation droplets. So that's where the glycerin comes in because the nice thing is once that you get a little bit of you'll get a little bit of drip initially, but then that glycerin will kind of hold on and kind of freeze in place. And then you're able to really shoot that bottle or glass uh, you know, how you want it. All right. So that Ah, man. So that was basically a beginner class in food and beverage photography. I love that, which brings us to today's shot. So if you are not listening, if you are not watching this on video, if you're listening on audio, go by the website behindtheshot.tv. Take a look at this photograph. If you're watching on video, it'll make more sense to you as I bring it up here. And I'm going to try and describe it. This is uh, around you know, apple tart. It looks like a, a tart tartan. It looks like almost a pie or an apple pizza. And okay, here we go. This is, this is the part of the show. I say it every time, but it's true. 
I'm never at a loss for words, but describing pictures is, is really difficult. So the picture, I want you to picture uh, uh, almost 16 by nine, but it's uh, probably four, three ratio. The plate is a normal dinner plate size looking thing. I mean, it could be smaller, but the way it's cropped, it bleeds out the right hand side, the top and the bottom, but it's sitting where the center of the pie is on the right rule of third. And so therefore the curvature of the left side of the plate almost hits the left rule of third. And then you have, I don't know what they're called. It's like a cake serving utensil, pie serving utensil. It's like a you know silverware spatula. spatula type thing. Pulling out one piece, but here's what makes this shot to me. That spatula has a shadow under it on a wooden, it's an old rustic wooden table. It makes it feel like this is mom's apple pie, right? And it even, even the silver spatula makes it feel like it's an old country silverware set for company. But the way it's propped up, it's lifting that piece that's being pulled out off the plate. And you can tell it adds depth to it without shadowing the rest of the pie. Even though the spatula has a shadow, it's not ruining the rest of the pie with a shadow. And again, what you want to see, there's crumbs underneath it. Now I automatically know that this is flaky, right? It's a really tight crop. It's just a beautiful image. What body was this shot with? Uh, actually, I uh, to, to the much to the chagrin of when I, especially when I work for Canon, I still use a 5D Mark II. Okay, so that that's that's a 5D <laughs> Mark II. What lens? Uh, this guy was, believe it or not, my 24 to 70 on this one. So I look up EXIF data on every shot if it's in there. And what I found on this shot was F11, ISO 500, 70 millimeters at 1125th. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So I've got a lot of questions on that. Then. And, and okay. by the way, white balance is auto. I'm assuming you shoot raw, so it doesn't matter. You're going to set that in post. Yeah, but uh, what my white balance, I, I, I locked down. So this was shot uh, with the, uh, the flashlight balance. Okay. So- like 5,500. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Manual mode? Uh, yes. Yes. So here's what struck me about the exposure on this that I thought was interesting. I get the 500, ISO 500. No matter what your light is, you are indoors. You want to capture some of that ambient. You don't want to have to use all the light to overpower it. You want to kiss of it. Otherwise, you're going to blow half the highlights on that crust, right? Mm -hmm. And the crust just looks amazing. The 70 millimeters I like because with the 24 to 70 at 70 millimeters, you are getting a little bit of compression bringing that table up towards the pie, right? Yes. F11, I totally get, right? You've got depth of field all the way through, which really would matter on this shot because I need to see the grain on that table come through. Mm -hmm. If the grain of the table was soft because the, the depth of field was too shallow, or for that matter, even the, the detail in the, in the spatula, that would be a problem. But the 1125th, it, was this on a tripod? Uh, yes and no. It was, I build for overhead shots. I've got a, um, a homemade do it yourself, basically, um, two light stands with a crossbar, two knuckles on it. And I, I, um, attach the tripod head to the knuckles of the crossbar so I can shoot straight down, um, from just about any height. And I should have mentioned that in my description. This is a straight top down right. shot. Right. That's actually so, what makes it work. If this was from the side, you'd lose the power. Right. This 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 has this has graphic design in it, actually. This this the the comp you know, we were talking about composition. 
really the strongest suit of this isn't the food. It's the composition that makes you feel like that food is in front of you like you're going to lean down and smell it to me. Mm -hmm. But 125th, even with that, seems low. Well, I've got to, I've got to keep it. You got to, I do have to keep the, um, the, the sync speed of the lights in, 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 in thought, right? Cause this is, this is got a flash. I, you know, I flash this. Um, so I'm trying to remember how I landed at 125th specifically. Um, I usually keep it, you know, I usually go in the 100s. It might've just been that I, I think it might've been as simple as that's where I landed after my previous shot. My which, shutter, which would make sense, right. but you understand what I'm saying. I mean, yeah. if this thing's locked down, okay, you know, do 40th of a second, who right. cares? Except, you know, you've got that thing balancing there. You've got, there's a lot of variables in this. And I would think at, at 200th of a second, you'd meet the, the sync speed. So, uh, okay. Right. My, my shutter, I, in something like the, this kind of shot, my shutter is almost irrelevant, to be honest with you. I, I'll live in, I'll really tune in where my aperture is going to be. Um, and, um, and in this is, case, is too, F11 pretty standard for you? Well, will be. Yeah. F11 is pretty standard this room. Um, so this was, uh, for the cookbook, um, the, the dining area and the bar, this was actually shot in the bar area of the restaurant and it's, it sucks up light. It's a very dark room. Um, it's got a, like a, the best way to describe it is think of old colonial pub, that's what the bar looks like. Okay. Yeah, you could tell from that table. Yeah. That table's that, had a lot of beer slid across it. Ex exactly. So um, it, it definitely kind of eats up some light. Um, I also, what I did too, the reason why I came up with the 70 millimeter is to get that shadow under that spatula. I wasn't getting it how I wanted it at first. So that plate is actually raised up under on another plate. And I wanted the okay. seventy. I wanted the seventy millimeter to compress, and and bring the table and the plate closer together. Okay. Okay. That hundred and a hundred gave me. I was too tight with a hundred. Um, I usually live on with a hundred millimeter or an eighty-five. Uh, but I wanted the compression, and it, but it just gave me. It was too tight, and I didn't have the ability to keep going up with my rig. So that's how I, that's how but I got how to how many 70. times have you and I been asked, can you explain lens compression to me? And, you know, you explain it and they kind of have a glassy look over their eyes as they say, yes, I get it, but they don't. This is the perfect example of that. And that is, I'm going to try and describe it. If the plate was right on the table and the spatula lifting the piece of pie up on the plate, therefore having space to the table. You don't have enough distance on the shadow to get a nice, crisp, dark shadow. So you lift the plate up, give more distance between the spatula and the table. The problem there is if you shot it wide, it's going to be obvious that the plate is not on the table. And by compressing it and bringing everything in appearing closer together, I did not know that this plate was not level on the table. It looks completely natural. Probably about uh, maybe an inch and a half off the table. Wow. Okay. And, wow. and again, back to rules of photography are universal, right? So, you know, the compression, everybody thinks about compression in landscaping and landscape photography. Or portraits. Or portraits. Same, same principle applies. Okay. So you go out on a job like this. You know, 
I, I'm sure the instructions are, are, are much more than something that you can, you know, list time-wise. But from, again, from that overhead point of view, what are the base instructions that a client gives you on a shot like this? Or do you just go, this is what I want to do and I'm doing it? Um, so the overall theme for the cookbook, so it, I mean, was to convey the ambiance of the restaurant, but make the food still be the the heroes, right? So the, like I said, the, the, the restaurant has a lot of character. It's been, it's an old building. It's been a uh, restaurant, in and or restaurant for probably a hundred years. Um, and it's just, it's, we wanted to capture the, not only the food, but the the ambiance, the character, the restaurant as one of the characters of the story as well. So, and that's what I will try to do with with a, with a restaurant, with an owner, with a chef beforehand. Is tell me about your space. Tell and and I'll go visit, of course, and and have conversations with them and and and, and scout out the location. But it's really a matter of. You know, what do you want to convey? Well, how do you describe your restaurant in just a few words? When somebody asks you, hey, I've never been here, describe, descri- how would you describe it? And now my job, it's not, it's, of course, it is to make the food look good and, and appetizing, um, but it's also then to be able to translate that into the images. Now, each individual image by itself may not capture it completely, but I try to, at least advance the story a little bit with each image. And, you know, this one was the, the bar top. It's, you know, old old and, and worn and lacquered just kind of because you knew if it wasn't lacquered enough, you're going to get it splinters, the wood's so old, right? But just to to capture that feeling of, you know, you, you just had a meal and, and now here's dessert. And it's almost like, you know, it could be grandma's house, you know, too. Um, but just to get a feel for, what what's what am I going to feel when I'm in that restaurant, and and what what story do does the owner want to convey about their space? Well, and it looks you know again for those of you on audio, uh, I always think it works better if you see the picture. But it looks hot, it looks moist, it looks you know the the spatula that's sitting there is it just balanced or do you have a weight on it? Um, it's not, it's no, neither. Actually, I have a little, there's actually a, um, a piece of, uh, wood underneath the spatula to hold it up. To hold so it up and keep it level. Right, like, I was so right, about that. like kind of right where the crust crests the, the spatula. If underneath it, there's a, a little support piece Which of makes wood. sense now that I know the plate's not on the bar. <laughs> right, right. Right. Because that was one of the things was when you're thinking that this plate is on the bar. Then it's okay. How are you keeping that thing from from tipping or turning? Because the bottom of those are not perfectly flat. Right. So let's talk composition because I think that's where this shines. Right. You went with this super tight crop. I actually love that it's not perfectly balanced either. Mm-hmm. So there's more white plate still visible in the upper right corner than in the lower right corner. So it's a little heavy to the bottom. It gives some weight to the picture, as it were. What made you and, – and you could have shot this where you could see the whole plate but still the same layout, right? Just expand it top, bottom, and right. Mm-hmm. What what makes you in your head go, I need this to be tight? I did shoot it with with the whole plate as part of it. Um, so I did have the – at one point in one of the shots, I do, have, I do have the whole plate. But this one I felt worked – you, everybody knows what a plate is. Everybody knows it's completely round and your mind is going to fill in 
that space. Your mind is going to you, you, if you follow along, you're going to fill in the rest of the plate. So it's like we, Peter Hurley's description of how he does headshots where he cuts the top off. Everybody right. knows the head is there. Exactly. Exactly. So I wanted when I especially when I decided that I wanted to have the piece coming off the dish and I wanted to have the spatula. I felt that the the tightness on that. Now, yes, the you're correct that the it does kind of lean to it definitely leans to the right. It definitely comes down to the bottom. But if that spat that piece and the spatula are pretty much dissecting the image dead center, and that's that's where that's the hero. That's where I want your attention that to be. That slice, that slice yeah. that you want. So, but you included the spat. You chose to to do the cut and do the spatula in this. And of course, some food photos you'll see. You know, they'll be a distant, you know, loose pile of coffee beans or a coffee cup or, you know, something in the distance. What makes you decide what uh, tangential accessories are in a food shot? Um, again, the story I'm trying to tell. In this case, I wasn't so much going for here's dessert and you're at the restaurant, you're having dessert, there's coffee, there's creamer, there's a spoon, there's sugar. I wanted to really make that this because it was a cookbook in this case I wanted the the apple tart to really be front and center um I thought that anything else for this guy was going to just take away and distract um you know and I will if I'm conveying if I'm trying to convey you know dessert or or tea or even dinner of dinner as itself I will definitely have props. I will definitely have dishes. You could do, yeah, like a bowl of ice cream faded in the back depth the field was, right? Exactly. Um, And because I was coming straight down with this um, and the wood had so much character to it, the wood is the prop. The wood is the – Yeah. That's the other piece of the story. So so lighting-wise, how would you light this? Okay. So this was, like I said um, earlier, this is one uh, Paul Buff – basically bouncing into a v-flat that is mm, back to up back into the right up up back into the right okay. and then so that gives Where, me so so to the back into the right so upper right corner two o'clock ish of the pie yeah one two and you can see yeah. the highlight there where's the paul buff at the paul buff is right in front of the it's right in front of the v-flat so the 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 pull the light is between right under it okay it's between the dish and the v-flat aiming back into the v-flat so the hit light's hitting it and coming back out and, and that's and the only light across that's the only light i do have a little bit of um of a bounce card um probably about mm, about eight o'clock a white bounce card that i just have propped up just outside a frame to bring a little bit more of it back in. Is that what's lighting that one center part of the, the, the bar, the wood? Yes. Yes. Or is that, is that part of the bounce? Um, over Clearly here, the yes, shadow is part the of the special, bounce. The shadow is part of the bounce. This around it is a little bit of, uh, is that fill is that bounce card. Interesting. Okay. So you get this thing back, you sit at the computer to process a food shot What's your basic process? Uh, I will give it a little bit of contrast. Um, I will give it a little bit of uh, texture, uh, either through clarity or now through the texture uh, slider. In um, see this, this is actually to me this is a perfect example of where texture would be an a, an advantage over clarity. Yeah, uh, I mean this is this is a, a, a literally a touch of clarity, not much. Just I, I'm I'm very hesitant to use clarity. 
um, over you know, a couple of a couple of points. I try not to lean on it too heavy. Um, I, I, I can see when a lot of people do lean on it very heavy, especially in food. Um, so I, I mean, just a touch. Um, you, you opened the can. I have to I have to go in. <laughs> OK, a couple of points means what? Uh, I mean, to, uh, to some see. people, a couple of points is 20. No, 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 no. Um, uh, five, ten. If that, if for clarity, maybe five. Yeah, maybe like five. Okay. Probably about the five or six texture. I will ride that a little harder. Maybe get up to about twenty or so. Um, but yeah, it's so subtle. But yeah. see, almost the like cinnamon look in the middle. I could see texture being just wonderful for that. Yeah, uh, and, and the bar for that matter. Though texture would be killer on the bar without losing the wood grain to the to the weird contrast you get from too much clarity. Right, but, and the raking light. Look, that most of that is is in camera from that light breaking across it. It's because I didn't, I kept kind of pretty low. So it's that light is just glancing across it. It's not coming straight down on it. It's almost like, like you feathering, right? So you, where you feather a portrait, I'm feathering that light across the top of the apple tart, just so it's, it's just kind of bouncing across it and then, and then coming back. So, okay. You bring this in post, you do all of that to it. And I'm not saying this happened to your shot. Okay, let's be really clear. But hypothetically, if you did all of that and you looked at it in post and went, there's just not still not something popping, right? It doesn't look fresh and and inviting like food should look. Mm-hmm. Is there is there one go-to trick that you use to to add a little fresh look? Mm. No, I would if if I if I didn't get it in the shot, I, I would say the, the, it's dead. The shots, the, the picture's dead. Okay. There's no, there's not a, there's not one go-to that I can say will bring back any specific, you know, any specific shot. No. Interesting. Okay. So people that want to, for their first time, mm-hmm. try food photography. What should people know going in before they try it? Um, don't kill yourself. Um, don't break the bank on lighting. Tip number one, don't die. Don't kill yourself. Good good motto for everything, right? Um, don't break the bank on lighting and don't assume you need to have a ton of lights. Definitely. You need to learn lighting. You need to be able to, like I said, you, yes, sun is great, but you don't always have it. I did a shoot, um, at a, uh, for a restaurant down on the beach and I wanted light and airy and beautiful and just convey summer. Uh, they had a lot of open windows. I figured I'm not even going to bring the lights out of my bag. And within 10 minutes, a big cloud came over and I had no window light whatsoever. Um, learn how to, how to mimic with one light, learn how to mimic the sun as best you can. And you don't need a lot. You know, you can start with a young way, you know, one of those $90, $90 speed lights and build up from there. Um, you know, one light is, is, will get you most of the way there. Um, bounce, bounce cards, um, make yourself, I, I go to, I do more shopping now at craft stores than I do at photography stores. Um, you know, between bounce cards, uh, poster board, I use poster board is probably 70% of my lighting 
is off of poster boards taped together to create V's that I can put on tables, um, little pieces of, um, of cardboard, of black poster board to take light out sometimes, to pull light away from a spot where I don't want it. Um, you know, so for me, this image, I'll tell you the one thing that drives me bananas about it. See that light that's crossing over the spatula? Yeah. The, and I should, I miss, I should have, I should have fixed that. That drives really? me See, nuts. I like that. That one band of light, right as the spatch, as the, the handle. That, right, the bend in the handle. Yeah, that I should have fixed. It's okay, you know, but, you know, it's not going to, it's not going to keep me up at night and it's not going to be a regret on my deathbed, but that is, you know, I should have, I should have taken a, figured out uh, with a black card where that was coming from exactly and positioned a black card to take that out so it matched the rest of the handle. So learn how to use one light, learn how to do things to supplement that one light with bounce cards, with um, uh, gobos, um, and and begin to really play with just that simple setup. Um, beverage, whole different animal. I think you need to have more lights. Um, you can do it with one, but then you got to do a lot in post. So, um, okay. So then let's say same, same student for lack of a better phrase, right? Yeah. That wants to try food photography. If there was one type of food that you would suggest, look, if you're going to experiment with this at home and you're going to try food photography for the first time, your first piece of food should be. Try a muffin. Like a blueberry muffin, blueberry muffin, corn muffin, and kind. You know that trick um, that that um, that trick that uh, exercise light an egg from all different all different old, perspectives. Old photography school thing, yeah. right? Do that with a muffin. Do that where you've got a, you've got a muffin. Light it one way. You know, bounce you know from the side, bounce uh, bounce some light in different camera angles. Um, you know, play around with the muffin. You could spend all day shooting one muffin. Then you know, as you're shooting it, tear it apart, get the base, get the the, the top. Play around with a muffin for a day and try so, to uh, light it different ways. A muffin is basically the mannequin head of food photography. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it's because it because it, it, it will give you a lot of it will give you texture. It can give you glisten across the top. Uh, it could do a muffin will do a lot for you. Yeah. To, to learn. All right. So last quick question before we close out mm -hmm. uh, the name of one photographer people should look up. Um, Andrew Scrivani. Andrew. What's the last S name? Scrivani. Uh, -I. He's going to read it off the book. Uh, exactly. S-C-R-I-V-A-N-I. -I. His book is brand new. Uh, he, shot for, um, he shot for the New York Times. He still does. Uh, did food photography. He's been doing food photography probably for 15, 20 years maybe. Um, you can't go through more than one or two days of one of the New York Times cooking sections without finding one of his shots. Okay. Good yeah. pick. Good pick. So Freddie Clark, uh, and first of all, let me say Rick Salmon. Thank you so much for introducing us, man. <laughs> it's thank you, Rick. I appreciate it. Now, <laughs> now we both owe him a beer, which is not going to be good. Uh, Freddie, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Steve, I appreciate. Thank you so much for having me. Now, if you're watching the video of this show, 
Uh, I've had lower thirds pop up periodically as, as Freddie was talking, but Freddie, if people want to go to your website, what's the easiest link people can go to? FreddieClark.photography. Um, that's the best, that's the easiest way. Yep. Okay. And so no.com, it's FreddieClark.photography. That'll redirect you actually to the real site. And all your social media is what? Is Sante Photo. S-A-N-T-E-P-H-O-T-O. Sante is French for cheers. Um, so, you know, trying to go, ask that too. yeah, it's so going along with the beverage thing, especially, um, you know, that's, it's cheers photography, Sante photo. Well, Freddie, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I really, really appreciate it. People go by the website behind the shot.tv, check out his gallery, uh, check out a little blurb that I wrote about him and all the links to everything you need, including the book are up there. Yep. The book is there. Um, we've got uh, some food uh, workshops coming up in March. Uh, so all the info is going to be on the website. And the Mount Rainier workshop and, and is Mount Rainier October, I think it is, of uh, 2020. And all the info for that, correct me if I'm wrong, is on Rick Salmon's site. Both. You can find it on Rick's site or on my site. Yeah, we've, we've, we've teamed up to, to do it. So uh, it, both places will get you there and lead are you there to still the spots open? page. There are still a couple spots open and we are actually thinking about adding a second if the, uh, if the, uh, if the desire is there. So Okay. And, and of- I'm going. So I don't do landscape photography, so this will be a total crash and oh, burn. All right, but, great. Hey, that's and okay. There's a, and there's a brewery right in the little town we're staying in. So perfect. So go we look can- that one up either on Freddie's site, Freddie Clark, and it's it's Clark uh, C L A R K. There's no e at the end like some European countries do. Correct. Uh, it's F R E D D Y D Y one D, two Ds. F R E D D Y Clark C L A R K. Okay, dot photography, not dot com. Right. So again, to Freddie Clark, thanks so much for coming on Behind the Shot. I'm Steve Brazel. A couple things really quick to close with. Uh, again, I want to hit, if you are a podcast listener or watcher, the show is available in both video and audio formats, wherever you get your favorite podcasts, assuming that wherever you get them supports video. Otherwise, there obviously is an audio version. But if your app or your service does support video, Look up either one of those versions if you wish to watch the show. The video also available on YouTube. Over at uh, Flickr, we've got the Behind the Shot group. Go join the group. You can have a free Flickr account or a pro Flickr account. Doesn't matter. Join the group, submit your images. And if you submit them with the uh, Flickr tag, not the hashtag, the normal Flickr tag, BTS Critique, Don Komorechka and I are doing critique shows that are only up at the YouTube channel. And the way we're getting the images for the critique shows is we randomly select a couple of images from the Behind the Shot group on Flickr that are also tagged with BTS Critique. It has to be in the group and tagged. And we do that. And again, make sure you check out Don's podcast as well, Photo Geek Weekly. I'm lucky enough to be a guest on there periodically. That's it for this episode. This is Behind the Shot, the show where we try and get inside the mind of great photographers by taking a closer look behind one of their shots from conception to completion and all the stories and challenges that happen in between. I'm Steve Brazel, and we'll see you on the next show. 